This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, we are finally done with the NFL preseason. There's two weeks for the Lions between their game against Pittsburgh, which they wrapped up their preseason with in Pittsburgh, and their opener against Philly. Uh, Let's just start with the easy one. Your takeaway, let's start with with Sunday's game uh, against Pittsburgh. Oh, do we have to? (laughs) (laughs) I was sitting there, you know, and I'm I'm on the sideline, obviously, and the only thing that kept crossing my mind was I didn't think I could watch a worse football game than the last year's tie in Pittsburgh. I mean, that was an awful football game, if you yeah. remember. Just well, The weather was bad. No At awful. least you were in the sunshine. The weather was it was bad, but it wasn't like, you know, un, <laughs> unplayable bad. You know, it was a little yeah. windy, a little wet, but, you know, most teams can function under that. But it was horrible, man. And, and then this week, um, you were hoping to see a little bit of, uh, you know, step taken forward from – um, from the squad, we didn't get to see the ones, you know, since that Atlanta game. But um, it was kind of a flip flop, right? I think when the when the first offense came out against Atlanta, drove down the field, twelve play drive, boom, punched it in. It was like, okay, man, like these guys are ready to go, you know. And then on the flip side of that against Atlanta, you know, the defense couldn't get off the field, right? You had your starters out there, and and you know, Mariota, those guys kind of they extended some plays, picked up some third downs. They went down and led up a touchdown. So it's like you wanted to see the defense improve which we did, uh, but we saw the offense take a step back. And, you know, I I think uh, it's fair to say that both quarterbacks that played that game, since they are no longer around, um, you know, that that had a big part. Yeah, that that played a big part in why that offense just could not function. I mean, the running game wasn't spectacular, but, you know, Pittsburgh, when they knew that these quarterbacks don't throw the ball downfield, I mean, you're looking at seven, eight, nine guys in the box every play just saying – we dare you to pass the ball because we know you can't. And, uh, you know, they just – they struggled, man. They couldn't make any plays. They couldn't, you know, pick up any first downs. They couldn't even really cross the 50-yard line, I think, until the second half. So a uh, little bit disappointed what we saw there. But I think, um, you know, as Coach said after the game, I mean, he was pissed about the quarterbacks, dude. I asked him first before he went in the press conference. I said, you know, I had a lot of questions around that position. Did you get any answers? And he said, yeah, we got some answers. That was it. That and was I was it. like, oh, yeah. that's not good. Well, that's and you had sign. to know things weren't going to be good for Tim Boyle because he was supposed to get the entire first half. Yeah. And then a mere couple minutes into the second quarter, they made the switch to David Blau. And to David Blau's credit, 
like things weren't great, no. but he did come in, completed some passes. The one thing that I've always said about David Blau and the concern is balls just on the ground too much. He yeah. took a snap ball was on the ground. He did pick it up, recovered, completed a pass. But anytime that ball's on the ground, you don't know that it's going to pop back into your hands. Yeah. And it's just, it was the lack of possession for David Blau um, security. Um, is is probably what sealed the deal for him and for Dim Boyle. Um, it just we saw three games last year where he just looked inept as as a starting quarterback, and you don't ever want your backup to be in there because bad things have happened to you know your your starting quarterback. But you need to have a guy that can go in there and get you out of a game. I don't think anybody believes either of those guys could get you out of a game. Now you have Nate Sudfeld. Uh, who was cut by the San Francisco 49ers, has really only thrown a handful of passes in six years. Does he give you any more confidence? No, and I think that's why this, you know, look, I think Nate, Nate Sudfield, like, what, he started a couple games, what, a couple years ago? And, yeah. you know, his <clears throat> career statistics, I think he's only thrown maybe 40 passes. I mean, they're not terrible, but at the same time, they're, they're backup level. Yeah. Here's the thing with me, though, is like, I just I feel like this backup quarterback situation and conversation is so overrated because <laughs> like there's not many teams in the NFL where if your starting quarterback gets down goes your season's down over. you're sitting there saying oh we got a number two we're gonna yeah. be fine let's go to the playoffs and make a Super Bowl run unless you know you're the anomaly Philly from what 2019 or 2018 whenever Nick Foles came in when right. Russ got hurt that doesn't happen um, so I say I think look I sit here and I look at this football team and I say. What do we expect them to be? Do we expect them to be a playoff caliber team, a team that's going to contend for the division, a team that's going to uh, make a surprise run in the playoffs? I, I don't think so. So what's the difference if your quarterback goes down yeah. anyways? Your season's already screwed. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a, it's a, it's do a you part want of to invest resources, whether they're future resources if, or exactly. contract salary cap resources now? In a backup quarterback to save a seven-win season? Exactly. What's the point? It's already, it's already. you know, I think we're all already expecting realistic expectations to be hopefully maybe a 500 team. But, you know, you're not talking about, you know, the Green Bay Packers or the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills, teams that have legitimate Super Bowl hopes where, hey, if we lose a guy, we need a guy to come in because we've just got too much damn talent. We can't waste this year with, with, with the roster that we have. I don't think the Lions are in that boat. So, when you, when you hear all this talk about the number two quarterback play, it's like, I mean, yeah, it's important, but at the same time, unless you're already a really damn good football team that's on the verge of contending and you know your Super Bowl hopes are are realistic, uh, why, you know, we, we saw, what did we see a couple of years ago? You know, when they signed, I think it was Chase Daniels to like yeah. the argument four million was, well, a year. Why are we paying like back, him so much? Right, it's like, what do you do? And everybody's like, well, you need number two quarterbacks. Like, well, your team stinks. Like, you're winning yeah. five games. Like, what does it matter if the quarterback gets hurt? If the season, you know what I mean? The season's already gone for most teams. So, yeah. I don't know. I thought that was kind of an over overplayed, um, you know, part of training camp. Uh, obviously, it doesn't lack complete importance, but um, I don't know. I mean, look, if Jared Goff goes down, it doesn't matter who you have. Season's probably going to be, you know, and there's probably 28 other teams out there that if their starting quarterback goes down, their season's going to be. So 
Uh, I don't think we're in a, we're in our we're a lone boat ourselves when no. we lose a quarterback our seasons. No, I think in terms of the backup quarterback, people are projecting or hoping next year it's a resource you don't have to spend because maybe you have somebody already, but that's 2023's problem. And yeah, you want to solve all those problems, but you've got issues at linebacker. You've got issues at, you know, in the secondary, you could use some of those resources better served there for guys that are actually going to contribute and play on a, on a week in week out basis. Um, So that kind of takes us to our next conversation is the rosters for the most part final. Any surprises in the cuts um, from your perspective? Oh, man. I Not really when you think about it. I think when I saw uh, Iguabuque get cut, I was kind of like, oh, whoa. You know, coaches really raved about him throughout yeah. the preseason. Tom and, Kennedy? Um, Tom Kennedy wasn't really a surprise only because you know what you have with the top four guys, meaning uh, Chark, St. Brown, Reynolds, and Collie Freeman, just because what he brings in the return game. And what you're going to um, get later in this year, you're hopefully from Jamison Williams. Exactly. So that's number five. So Quintess Cephas, you throw in there. And, and Cephas is just, in my mind, a better playmaking wide receiver. Um, Tom Kennedy is a guy you can trust that's probably going to be in the right spot. But Quintess Cephas has a little bit more, uh, you know, dynamic playmaking ability in my mind. So I don't think that was a surprise. Um, you know, I think. Iguabuque only because, you know, I remember going back to Atlanta and even Indy, you know, we were asking the coaches who was going to do the returns and, and uh, they were like, oh, we're going to give, you know, Reynolds some returns and Jackson some returns and Maurice Alexander some returns and, you know, but they were adamant that Godwin was their guy. They were like, we already know what we got from Godwin. We do not need to see him return kicks. Yeah. You know, we're pretty set with him. Um, But then you get into the games and it's like, well, Godwin's not playing any running back. Like, he's not going in there until the last couple drives. You know, yeah. you can't just keep a guy on this team because he's a return man. Like he's got to do, he's got to do something either offensively or defensively as well. Um, so that may be a little bit of surprise. Um, the offensive line situation, a little bit surprised to see them keep so many guys, uh, you know, when, especially when you talk about three guys that are just strictly interior with Evan Brown, obviously your backup center, but Tommy Kramer and Logan Stenberg, um, honestly, I think Logan Stenberg through three years has been uh, just in my mind, not worthy of a, of a spot of a roster spot um, of, of one of 53. Yeah. And honestly, I think there was one offensive lineman. I mean, Dan Skipper's a guy who's been around a while, kind of bounced around practice squads and, you know, been in and out of Detroit, but he was a guy I really thought had a legit chance at, at that swing tackle spot. Um, because he he just had a really nice preseason, really nice training camp. And he's one of those gritty-type attitude dudes that you want to play next to if you're a guard. So a uh, little bit of surprise to see you know him um, get released. He is back on the practice squad, so there might be a chance uh, this season that you know we do see him on that 53-man roster. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, not really. I mean, not really many surprises. Um, A.J. Parker... Maybe that was a little bit of a surprise as well, only because he started last year as a as an undrafted free agent, and in that slot, um, you know, nickel spot, for him to get released was like, oh wow, you know, they must feel really good about uh, Mike Hughes and yeah. you know, Chase Chase Lucas or draft pick. So, uh, but that's a good problem. I mean, like Coach said, man, they feel like they had so much. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Better talent this year than they did last year. They felt like the competition was much higher. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys kind of rose to the top out of a lot of those competitions. So, um, that's always a good problem to have. It is. And uh, I want to get back because I have a question about the practice squad. And that discussion is very similar to the QB discussion, backup QB discussion. It's somewhat irrelevant, but I do think there's some relevance in this year's practice squad. Now, I mentioned the practice squad, and I think there's an interesting member of the practice squad. I do think, you know, Justin Jackson, they're going to try and stash him on the practice squad as long as they can because he may, you know, due to injury, be useful to this team down the road. Dan Skipper, you mentioned, a guy that's bounced around on practice squad, probably did enough to make the roster, but for whatever reason, didn't. But I do want to ask you a couple of questions. Josh Woods, uh, backup linebacker. Do you remember when he was drafted? Uh, It was a few years, right? Yeah, 2018, but he was an undrafted free agent. Yeah, on the roster around a while. Chris Board, same year, same same way, same path to the NFL. Undrafted free agent, 2018. Derek Barnes, uh, fourth round pick, and it's still young. Last year, Malcolm Rodriguez, sixth round pick. Jared Davis, former first round pick, didn't work out here. Went to you know to the New York Jets. Things got even worse there, so he comes back thinking maybe the second go round. What's the benefit of putting him? on the practice squad when he can't beat out two undrafteds, a fourth and a sixth round pick. Uh, I mean, competition, maybe, you know, I think he, but he's lost that competition for years. I I know he's not a, you know, you wouldn't consider him a a starter anymore, but um, when you talk about guys that you know, what you're going to get out of, like he, he's still a guy that is going to challenge you know, you're starting offense in practice. You know what I mean? He's still going to be a guy that, uh, you know, is going to bring it every day. But I mean, Jared I, but, Davis's problem was okay. never physical. It was always, 
um, you know, more the mental side of the game. So I think when you talk about, hey, we want we want to make sure you know that iron sharpens iron. Um, Jared Davis is he one of the best line? No, he's not. But he's a veteran. He knows how to practice. He knows what the team needs, and he's going to challenge those guys. You know, on those Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practices to get guys ready. So I think there is a little bit of a benefit to having veteran guys like that around. But in um, today's, let me just argue. Could you fill that it with the younger that, guy you want to develop? Sure, but that's it, my point. Yeah, especially I, when in today's NFL, it's different than it was when you and I played. You don't go in pads on Tuesday and Wednesday nearly as deep into the season as you used to. And in fact, a lot of times, as soon as camp is over, it's shoulder pads and shorts, which you and I both know changes the entire makeup of practice. And if you're not going to have that physical element, then wouldn't you best be served of having a guy come in that's a developmental guy starting to learn the defense because he's going to be sitting in all those meetings, watching, learning the defense and watching and learning from the guys that are actually playing on Sundays. And then next OTAs, next training camp, maybe there's a guy that you could develop and push somebody for a roster spot. Yeah. But who would that guy be? Well, I mean, across the NFL, like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's right. But you know, it's not going to be Jared Davis because he's, he hasn't been that guy for five years. I don't know. I mean, maybe they feel like, and yeah, I agree with you. Usually he's a late bloomer. You know, when you get to year five, it's, you know, the book's kind of written. The story. Alex out. Leatherwood in, in <laughs> Oakland or Oakland, yeah, in he's, Vegas. He's only, you know, two he's, years. Yeah, he's a first round pick. I know. It's, it's some crazy shit that goes on. But Jared Davis, I don't know. Maybe he was, maybe he was close. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, maybe the coaches feel like he's close and maybe they feel like, uh, you know, some players, when you have a fall from grace, first-round pick to practice squad, maybe it's that last chance at maybe a wake-up call, you know? So um, would I be surprised to see him on the roster at some point? Maybe a little bit, but, you know, not really. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's a benefit of having familiarity. Uh, I think Jared Davis, because you don't only talk about Jared Davis being a former first-round pick. He was – I mean, he was also a – we all know his shortcomings when it came to playing linebacker position, but you're talking about a guy who was a captain too. I mean, so there's a lot of valuable characteristics that, you know, he can bring to that building, uh, whether it's a linebacker group, whether it's the practice squad group of showing these guys what it's like to practice, showing them what it takes to, you know, make sure you're out there giving, you know, the the, the starters a good look and being ready to go every single day. Um Maybe that adds a little bit of more value to it uh, than rather just, you know, stashing them away and and making sure you got a, you know, a dude that's going to come downhill and, and blow up some linemen in the chin. Uh, but I'm with you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's cuts. There's so much movement that happens during the season as well. Um, you know, but I do think that I do think that Jared does bring a little bit of value just in that sense that, you know, he's got that he's got that leadership ability and he's got those characteristics that. You know, he can, uh, you, you know what you're going to get from him. You know, he's going to practice hard every single day. You know, he's going to bring it every single day. And like I said, maybe, you know, former first round pick the practice squad five years later, um, maybe that can change some, change something inside of yeah. him to say, you know what, this is truly last, <laughs> last, uh, last, uh, last ride. And I got to figure something out. Maybe he will. So, uh, obviously, we're going to get a chance to do this again next week before they play Philly. But what is it that the Detroit Lions need to do in this week where, yeah, cuts are being made. They're still going to be on the practice field. What do you need to – what are you expecting 
that they're going to do, the biggest issues that they've got to fix or that are fixable in a week's time before they enter game week against Philly? See, I don't really know if you look at it that way. You know, I don't I don't know if you really look at, hey, these are the issues we have, we got to go because it's a totally different team than you just had for the previous four months. You know, maybe a lot of the issues that you had in training camp in the preseason were from guys that are no longer here, right? You know what you got now. I mean, you know what you got offensively, right? I think it was, uh, you know, very uh, disgusting kind of feeling coming out of that Pittsburgh game offensively, but you're also realistic enough to say, hey, Jared Goff's back there. It's probably a little bit different, right? Um, so offensively, I don't think there needs to be any overreaction. Defensively, look, I think you're, you're probably – after what you saw from Pittsburgh throughout the first half, now I know they didn't take that last two-minute series. Um, you got to feel pretty damn good about the strides that they have made throughout training camp. You know, they got pressured with, uh, you know, an interception. All of a sudden, they're starting the red zone. Boom, three and out, field goal, right? You get pressured with another sudden change where, you know, Campbell goes for it on fourth and one from their own, what, 25-yard line, don't yeah. get it. Short field, go out there, boom, three and out, field goal. Like, you got to feel pretty good uh, about the production that you got from at least the starters and the guys that are going to be here um, week one. So I don't really look at it as a, hey, these are the issues we have. This is what we got to fix. I look at it as a fresh start. Season's here. You know what I mean? Let's go. Let's dial this shit up right now, 100%. Let's get ready because uh, that's kind of the – when you kind of get in the building, you know, the first time in May, and then you get in the building the first time in August for training camp, uh, you get these kind of refreshing type – uh, emotions to you when the cuts are made and you step on the practice field and there's only 53 guys out there it's another kind of yeah. boom let's go start over it's time to go so um look i mean i don't know i don't i mean i have your expectations for this team changed i don't think mine have no, no they haven't I, gone up or down right. i was i, I kind of said that eight win type you know yeah. would be you know kind of the benchmark and even after the preseason i, I don't think anything has really changed um as far as my expectations so um, we'll see. They're going to get tested week one, though, man. I'm telling you, Philly is no – they're no slouch. I yeah. mean, that's a team that you talk about since he – you know, what they did last year. I know Philly was a playoff team technically last year, but Philly's got a chance to, you know – The really division name for that they're in, in the sucks. NFC. Yeah, they're going to be a tough challenge. So my concern coming out of camp is you start week one of the preseason. Offense goes out there, boom, they're down the field. Good rhythm. Jared Goff looks good. We've heard so much about him, uh, you know, in practice. Like, the, you know, he's looking as good as he's ever looked. And then you go line up against Pittsburgh, and this is the question or, or the concern I had about him not playing in that. You're going to play your starters. You play the starting offensive line. Get your receivers out there. And there's you just don't look smooth. You don't look rhythm. You Maybe you've lost a little bit of confidence. And like you, yes. Okay, hey, now everything is final. Everything is set. It's a new, it's a new season, new team. You maybe you don't have those issues with some of those guys that are no longer there. But I just worry that that's your last impression um, of watching film and looking at that. It's the last thing that you put on film, and now you expect those guys within two weeks' time to to rebuild that confidence when it's just going to be practice. Uh, and that's the concern I have. I know, yes, they could do it. It was just preseason. But I, I would have preferred Jared Goff been out there for the first series. But as we talked about at the top, if something were to happen to him, then this season goes right in the crapper. Yeah, but you also, so, I mean, that was probably the only fairly fair way to evaluate um, Boyle and Boyle Blau. And Blau because, yeah. you know, whether you're playing with backups, third-string guys, you know, or playing with the ones, 
I mean, it's a different level of football. So I think that's why they wanted to see that. Now, look, I mean, if you're talking about the offensive linemen and the receivers losing any confidence, I don't think that's going to happen. I think those guys are realistic enough to say, you know what? Like, yeah, we didn't move the ball, but we had two quarterbacks playing that are not in the NFL anymore. And we had, you know, our top two running backs also not playing. Yeah. So, you know, there was a couple of plays in there where, hey, you make this read, hey, you make that throw. Things look a whole lot different. So I think you have to be realistic. The other thing I would do, don't practice Taylor Decker. <laughs> Maybe that's why they kept four backups. Remember last week yeah. or last year, you know, he hurt his thumb. I think it was the first week of practice yeah. right during the regular right season. Right before the regular season. So has to bounce over. And then a couple years before that, I think it was the first week of the regular season practice. He, you know, had the labrum rotator cuff issue yeah. too. So I would put Taylor Decker in a, in a, a bubble, bubble wrap. <laughs> Can let him hit anybody. Yeah. Walkthroughs only for 68. Well, when we come back next week, we're going to get a chance to talk about the matchup starting the regular season, what it's like, who who should uh, the what should we should expect out of the Detroit Lions, as well as the Philadelphia Eagles. A couple of really good offensive lines and a true test to see if Aiden Hutchinson is worth everything that they uh, that they say he's uh, been able to do throughout training camp in Week One. Uh, and we'll get to all of that, like I mentioned, next week on Necessary Roughness.